This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. People have been tweeting about Ben Graham's Intelligent Investor again. I've seen a bunch of these tweets recently. Remember, The Intelligent Investor is the book that changed Warren Buffett's life. That's what he says. He was doing all this stock trading in his teens, but then Graham's book came out in 1950 when he was 19 years old. He read it and it changed everything. He still calls it the best book about investing ever written. Graham himself actually died in 1976, but the book, The Intelligent Investor, has been updated numerous times. It was updated numerous times while he was alive, and then it was updated again for the last time, at least so far, in 2006. That's the edition that I have. It just calls it the revised edition on the cover, but I believe it's actually the fourth actual edition of it. And this was the one with the edition by Jason Zwig of like the extra analysis to each chapter that brought in modern, or at least in 2006 era, modern examples of what Ben Graham himself was talking about. So that investors in 2006 could find something, you know, to kind of that was familiar with them because a lot of Ben Graham's examples throughout the book are from his era of, you know, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. And so they that's why they updated it. Now, if you recall, I have done many podcasts on The Intelligent Investor. I've even done podcasts on some of the chapters. So you can go back and uh, find those and take a look at those. But um, you might remember the actual book itself, this revised edition with all these extra chapters in there of discussion from Zwig is actually, I always call it just 600 pages, but I did go to look at it this time. And the actual text, if you're reading through it all and you're not including you know, the index at the back, is 587 pages. So the biggest question I always get about The Intelligent Investor is, should should I be reading it? That's what people ask me. Should I read The Intelligent Investor, Tracy? And that was some of the tweets that was kind of going around whether or not you would recommend this book for you know a newer investor um, or even someone who's been around a while. Like, should you be reading this book? Um, and I do have to say, there are some clues to the answer to that. Even in the preface to this fourth edition, Warren Buffett gave gives the preface to it. And he says in there to pay special attention to chapters eight and chapter 20. So chapter eight is called The Investor and Market Fluctuations. And that chapter basically is a warning on speculative behavior, our own, of course, (laughs) Uh, just doing some kind of crazy things when we're stock investors or just investors in general. And then it goes into things about like market timing. So not surprising that that is a chapter that Buffett says to, you know, pay close attention to. And then chapter 20 is called Margin of Safety as the Central Concept of Investment. Now, um, I did go back, you know, and was checking out these chapters. And what I thought interesting this time around about chapter 20 on the margin of safety is that what he's talking about here 
he was talking about in the 1970s. And this really hits home again here in the 2020s, because we're again in a similar period where the bond yields are rising and stocks may be expensive. And what is an investor to do? So he gave a lecture in 1972, Graham did, and Zwig actually um, puts a little note in on this, on the normal chapter, not even in his analysis chapter. This is like a little, uh, you know, end note thing in the chapter. And he talks about the margin of safety. And I thought that this was very, um, you know, good to read again right now here in 2023. So in the lecture, Graham says, quote, the margin of safety is the difference between the percentage rate of the earnings on the stock at the price you pay for it and the rate of interest on bonds. And that margin of safety is the difference which would absorb unsatisfactory developments. At the time the 1965 edition of The Intelligent Investor was written, the typical stock was selling at 11 times earnings, giving about 9% return as against 4% on bonds. In that case, you had a margin of safety of over 100%. Now, in 1972, there is no difference between the earnings rate on stocks and the interest rate on stocks. And I say there is no margin of safety. You have a negative margin of safety on stocks. So um, I just thought that that was very interesting. And he goes on in the chapter to also talk about that um, it's been his observation over many years that it's taught us that the chief losses to investors come from the purchase of low quality securities at the times of favorable business conditions. <laughs> so we will seek out some companies that, um, you know, when things are good, it looks good on paper. But when the business conditions deteriorate, that's when it's exposed that those the quality of those actual earnings isn't as good as we thought it was would be. So back to the original question of this podcast, should you read this book, The Intelligent Investor? So information is always power. That's what I always say. And I love reading investment books. And I have read this. And even just picking it up again for this podcast, I'm noticing, you know, little tidbits like I just read from that lecture in 1972 and other, you know, little uh tips and other things just even in these two chapters I was looking at and I didn't even keep reading the commentary or anything else that's in here. So it's definitely worth picking up if you're a value investor and you want, you know, to hear from one of the greats in value investing. There's no doubt about it. But the book is very dry. <laughs> That's how I call it. I once uh, recounted on this podcast about how I saw a woman on the bus here in Chicago on the CTA bus with this book in hand. And she was apparently reading it on the bus. And I did think that was very impressive because it is pretty dry and hard to get through. But a little tip that I found is to take it chapter by chapter. So read, you know, just one chapter. Maybe you take some notes from that chapter. 
um, and then maybe read something else, some other investing book that you have that isn't quite as dry as the way that this one was written, and then go back and read another chapter, or maybe you do two at a time, that kind of thing. Because there is a lot of information to absorb too. So just like, you know, trying to read it straight through probably won't get you real far either. And it's not really meant to be read that way, I don't think either. Um, You know, there are some chapters you're going to find more interesting. That's just how these kind of investing books work and things that will apply to you now that, you know, like I just mentioned again about the lecture in 1972, that when I first read this over, you know, 10 years ago, um, I wasn't noticing what he was saying here quite the same way I am now in 2023. So there's going to be different chapters like that that are going to, you know, matter more to you. And I even would say, don't feel bad about skipping around and um, definitely check out all the commentary chapters. Now, these may seem old to you too, like I mentioned, because it is from 2006. And I'm expecting, you know, possibly another update on this book at any time. You know, we're heading on close to 20 years since this was last updated, and a lot has happened on the stock market. So I think, you know, another update would be warranted here, but I'm not sure if Zwig will want to take it on again, or who else might want to take it on. I'm not sure, um, because there's a lot of work involved, even in just doing the commentary on these chapters. But um, that being said, this is the edition that we have. So definitely check out those commentaries, even if you're like thinking it's not really applying to what's going on today either, because as I've always said, what goes around comes around in investing. And even his uh, Graham's comments in that lecture from 1972 just goes to show you, you know, maybe we're back in the 70s again. And these kinds of lessons learned then we can apply now. So um, what else can we do on this podcast? So I wanted to run a screen, you know, based on the Graham uh, kind of strategies and stuff. And as I've done in the past on this podcast, we actually do have a screen here at Zach's. It's not on the Zach screener, which is on our website on Zach's.com. It's more advanced and it's run on our research wizard product, which is the the big kahuna thing here on running screens. And it's under the guru screens. And I've run a couple of these on various podcasts, but I haven't done the Graham one in a while. So I was kind of intrigued to see what I would get on it. And I'm not going to give like all the definitions, you know, what uh, is in this screen because it is just more complicated than what was found on the Zax.com screener tool. But I will tell you, it does not include the Zach's rank. So you're going to see in a minute how that kind of gets us some stocks that we may not want, actually. And it does include a dividend. So dividend yield is in this. And that also gave us some interesting stocks. So when I ran the screen, it gave me 18 stocks and I pulled out five of them. They were in various different industries. There was no one big group that dominated on the 18. And um, not surprisingly, there was no real pure play like techie, fintechy type of stocks in here. But um, that shouldn't be surprising if it's a Benjamin Graham screen, right? And what he would be looking for. But I did discover uh, when I was, you know, 
picking the five, that one of the ones that was in the electronics category kind of falls into kind of techie, techiness, I, I guess. You, you can be the judge when we get to that one. Um, so here are five stocks off the Benjamin Graham screen. Some of these uh, you'll find interesting as I did. So let's dive right in. The first one is Movado, Movado Group, ticker M as in Mary, O, V as in Victor. And this is the upscale watches, right? Uh, so this is a play on the consumer, has a market cap of $606 million, so it is a small cap. It's got a big dividend yield, yielding 5.1% now. Year-to-date, these shares are weaker, down 15.1%. PE of 12.4 because Movado has been cheap for a number of years, but I took a look at those earnings and earnings for fiscal 2024 are expected to decline 47.2%. I even wrote like yikes in my <laughs> notes here. We only have one estimate on the company though, so I'm not sure what's going on there, but that's a big decline and yes, the stock is still still cheap and all of that, but um, I would want to do much more investigation about what is actually going on with earnings to see such a big decline this year. It is also a Zach's number five strong sell. So again, without using the Zach's rank in the screen, we are going to get fours and fives possibly in the screen. So we did. We got a five strong sell, and I'm assuming that earnings decline is part of the reason behind that. So again, that's Movado Group, ticker M-O-V as in Victor. Number two is a home builder. Not surprising because we've been talking about them for a long time, but this is the only one that was on the screen and it's KB Home, ticker K as in uh, Kevin, B as in boy, H as in Harry, KBH. It's a number two by uh, not surprising again for the home builders because after coming off of last earnings reports, it was better than expected and the earnings uh, revisions came in higher. So a lot of these are number ones and number twos. As a $4 billion market cap, dividend is yielding 1.5%. We know the home builders are up big this year. This one's up 56.5%, still cheap with a PE of 78 uh, but earnings expected to be down 31% this year, fiscal 2023 to 629 from 912. But we've talked about this before on other podcasts as well. Home builders had record years last year, then the rates rose, the sales have come down. Um, it's not as bad as everyone thought. Still people buying houses from the home builders, but not at the level we saw during the booming pandemic years. So the earnings are coming down on a lot of these builders, but margins still remain elevated. And that's the name of the game with the home builders is those elevated margins. So this remains cheap and it's a Zach's number two. So KB Home is the home builder, KBH. Then I did choose an energy stock, but not a producer. This one is in the oil field services and it's RPC, RPC Inc. 
And the ticker is R as in Robert, E as in Edward, S as in Sam. Yeah, this is that fake out one. We've talked about it in the past, right? And in fact, even when I went to go type this one in, I you know, originally typed RPC like in there. And then I'm like, no, this is the wrong thing. It is R-E-S as the ticker. It is a 1.8 billion market cap. Dividend is yielding 1.7%. This is a cheap one too with a PE of just seven. Uh, this is a Zach's number three hold. So we're getting some just basic holds. That's where the vast majority of the Zach's rank stocks are, are the number threes. Um, 2023 earnings though on this one expected to be up 15.7% to $1.18 from $1.02. We also only have one estimate on this company because they're fairly small as well. So that's the energy stock that made this list, RPC Inc. with ticker RES. Then I took a look at one of the real estate companies on the list because I was kind of curious. It wasn't a name I knew, but I'm not familiar with like all the REITs and they do fall in very, you know, many different categories. You can have a REIT on, uh, you know, apartments. You could have one on storage units. You could have one on hotels. You can have one like this one is on the commercial side, but it has a spe specialization in lending to cannabis operators. And this one is AFC Gamma. AFC Gamma, and the ticker is A as in Andrew, F as in Frank, C as in Cat, G as in George, AFCG. And they target direct lending and bridge loans, and this ranges from five million to a hundred million. With again the specialization in cannabis operators in those states, which have now allowed it. So this is a small cap company, just two hundred and sixty-five million market cap, and yes, it's paying out this crazy sky-high dividend yield right now of fourteen point five percent. But remember, it's a REIT, so they have to pay out you know, nearly all of their income out to the shareholders. And remember, REITs have different tax uh, rules, so make sure you consult with your tax advisor on that big dividend. Uh, Year-to-date, however, these shares are down 17.4%. They are cheap with a PE of 6.3, but earnings also expected to be down this year, down 17.1% to $2.08 from $2.51 last year. It is a Zach's number four sell, um, but uh, yeah, it's this is another one, a decline in the earnings, but this one year-to-date also a decline in the shares. So that's AFC Gamma, AFCG is the ticker there. And then the fifth stock is the one that's kind of could be, it's kind of techie. I don't know why I say that. It's not like they're making, um, you know, computers or anything like that. But this company is called Richardson Electronics. And the ticker is R as in Robert, E as in Edward, L as in Larry, L as in Larry. So R-E-L-L. They only have a market cap of 169.7 million. So this is a real small cap company. Uh, they do pay that dividend, of course, dividend yielding 1.9%. And they are also a Zach's number three hold. So on their website, um, and they're, they're based here in Illinois, La Fox, Illinois, they said for 75 years, they are an industry leading distributor and global provider of engineered solutions 
for renewable energy. And that includes green energy, power management, custom display, and healthcare markets. And so they have this new segment, or fairly new, that's called Green Energy Solutions in the fourth quarter, which they reported on July 19th. So it's been a couple months since we've heard, but in the fourth quarter, the fiscal fourth quarter, they saw net sales in that green energy solutions business up 61.7% year over year. So this area looks to be pretty hot. Um, They did say that the fourth quarter was challenged by weaker demand from the semiconductor wafer fab customers and that they expect the semiconductor wafer fab market to remain challenging over the next several quarters. But the green energy solution segment, um, including power management systems for wind turbines, electric locomotives, hydrogen power, and synthetic diamonds to uh, counter, to some extent, the weakness that's in that semiconductor wafer fab market. So you can see why I kind of said earlier that there is a techie component here to some extent. Um, But they have three manufacturing facilities for their products, one in La Fox, Illinois, which is the headquarters, a second one in Marlboro, Massachusetts, and then a third one in a town in Germany. I'm not going to say the name of the town, just a town in Germany. Um, And so this green energy systems really seems to be driving them in fiscal 2023, which they just finished up. Um, it's expected that segment was up 110% because that's really starting to roll out now. But strangely, year to date, these shares are down 44.2% year to date. And maybe that's on the semiconductor wafer fab uh, demand issue um, that that's really hitting them. So the shares have gotten cheaper, obviously, if they're down 44% year to date. PE is 12.5 right now. Um, But the earnings expected to be down 30.2% this year for fiscal 2024, which they're just now starting. But we had one estimate cut in just the last week. So that really pushed down because this is a very small cap company. It doesn't have a lot of analyst coverage. And so that one estimate cut means we're looking at 97 cents for this fiscal year, and they made $1.39 um, last year, and even before this cut, it was at a dollar twenty. So, still looking at weakness this year, but someone's getting real bearish recently, and it's gone down to ninety-seven cents. So, keep that in mind. Like I said with Movado, that you know, do your homework, try to find as much info as you can, listen to those conference calls on any company, but certainly these small caps that are not as um, you know covered as well. And also keep in mind with some of these smaller companies, you can find hidden gems if you look around because uh, Richardson Electronics has been around for 75 years. And I do believe this is the very first time we've ever covered it on this podcast. So the screens and things never cease to amaze me and finding these you know, companies that just kind of do their thing that are not Microsoft or NVIDIA, but have been around decade after decade, continues to fascinate me. And so I love using the screens to find, uh, you know, companies like Richardson. So that's ticker R-E-L-L. 
And just to follow up on that reminder, by leaders in their industry, if you know you don't want the ones that are struggling, look for earnings growth, not declines. Although some of these had the declines, uh, and also just because a stock hits a new low or has a big sell-off doesn't necessarily make it a great value or even a buy. You have to be asking yourself, why is the stock down this much? What is the cause of the decline, um, especially in a market that is rallying to some extent in other areas at least, and ask yourself, why is this stock being rejected by the street? So keep all those little tips in mind. And this is also a good exercise in this particular screen about how, you know, screening for some kind of guru thing that can work to some extent, depending on the guru and depending on what their, you know, criteria that they've used and how we plug it in. But also just goes to show you that you're not always going to get the stocks you think you might get on a screen like this one from Benjamin Graham. And um, so I should run some more of these screens on the show. You know, I've done a few other ones and there is a Buffett screen on there, but I haven't run it recently, but maybe I should be running it to go see what what he should be buying, right? Like what is, if he were running the screen, what he should be looking at. Um, but, you know, still this is interesting to revisit Benjamin Graham here in 2023 because this is the book that, you know, sent Warren Buffett down the path that he chose in his life and, you know, Graham was one of the greatest investors, so we can all learn from people like that. Um, let me recap the stocks now that we discussed on this episode. There was Movado, ticker MOV. We had KB Homes, the home builder, KBH. We had RPC, that's oil field services side, not the producers, the, it's the services. RES is the ticker. We had AFC Gamma, is that the name? Um, this is the one, yeah, AFC Gamma. This is the one that's the REIT for for the cannabis industry. And that's AFCG is the ticker. And then we had Richardson Electronics, which is kind of techie, but also on the green energy side, ticker R-E-L-L. So be sure to subscribe to get all of our uh, podcasts here on The Value Investor. There's a lot of them. And you can find those Intelligent Investor podcasts if you look back on the list that you can see there on Apple Podcasts. All of our podcasts are listed there. I try to put Intelligent Investor in the title of those podcasts, so you should be able to find it that way. But um, hopefully this helped as well. And do pick it up. Pick up The Intelligent Investor, even if you only read chapters 8 and 20, which are the ones that Buffett you know, said to pay attention to, then that makes it worth it, right? So uh, definitely you know, check out all of our podcasts. You can get them also on Spotify and Amazon Music. And I'll be back again next week with some more value stacks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified 
identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.